yeah, so we'll go ahead and uh, so the first thing we want to just kind of look at is just the Church of Antioch itself. Um, so the Church of Antioch is not just any other church. It, the Church of Antioch really, um, uh, it, if, if we kind of observe a few things, it's really a model of what a, a mission-sending church ought to be. If we kind of look at what was going on, the people of the church, we kind of want to maybe just study what's going on in um, in, in the church of Antioch so that we can hopefully apply <laughs> some of those things right to our church here at NBC, right? So first of all, um, what we want to see with the, with the Antioch church, right, is that they were word-centered. They were devoted to scriptures. Um, he says they were at the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, right? Um, they, it's very, it, it identifies the church as being very, heavy on teaching, on, um, on the ministry of the word. You know, um, prophecy, uh, there's definitely the charismatic, in this time, the charismatic um, uh, foretelling aspect of prophecy where, yeah, they're getting revelation from the spirit. But it's also right, the exhortation, the application of scripture. You know, prophecy is speaking God's word. And, um, and so they are not, so they're teaching the word of God. And they're also exhorting, teaching the church, right, how to live it, how to live out their life in Christ through prophecy, right? So they're a very, um, so they're a very, they're a church that's very grounded in, in the word, um, first and foremost. <clears throat> we also see that they're a very diverse and but, but unified church. So here we have uh, Barnabas, we have Simeon, we have Lucius, uh, Manian, and Saul. All men of very different backgrounds from different um, areas. Um, so Barnabas was actually from uh, was actually from Cyprus, and we'll look at how that actually um, affects his uh, missional strategy. Right, that the mission, how that kind of comes into play in their uh, in their missional journey. Um, we have uh, Simeon called Niger. We you know we think you know he's uh, maybe of African descent somewhere, some, uh, northern Africa. Somewhere, Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene is on the further side, you know, um, near the, uh, Ethiopia. We have uh, Manayan, who is uh, a, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and so he's very. He came from a, a, a Roman background. Um, we have, and then we have Saul, who was a very zealous, <laughs> who came from a very zealous uh, Jewish background, who was uh, very much. Um, uh, you know, old school, Juda uh, Judaistic um, in, his, in his background. Yet, all those people, right, have found one common identity in Christ. And so as they grew, as they were devoted to the scriptures and the Holy Spirit uh, built them up in truth, right, they, they, could, they were unified in their uh, common identity, their, all of their differences and backgrounds, right, that was all secondary. Um, so, um, they were uh, a diverse church, but they were a unified church. Um, they were also a generous church, <laughs> a very unworldly church. This, I mean, you can see, uh, if you, uh, it, it may not uh, um, uh, pop out right at you, but uh, Barnabas, um, who was right in, back in Acts chapter 4, uh, he was called Joseph before, um, and he had sold all that he had and gave it to the apostles back in Acts chapter 4, right? Um, when Jesus said, you know, whoever does not, you know, when Jesus, just like when he told the young ruler, sell all you have and follow me, 
Uh, Barnabas actually did that. Um, Barnabas could have held on to his worldly possessions, and he could have, um, Barnabas could have kind of lived a comfortable life, but, but Barnabas, in, in receiving Christ, knew that, hey, <laughs> I, you know, I have the greatest treasure in, in, um, in all eternity, right? Take all I have, and, and Barnabas sold everything. So that um, so that the uh, um, uh, so that the church may be supplied. Um, we also have uh, again uh, Manian as well. Manian was a friend of Herod. You know um, the implication here is that he's not he's not up. You know Her- you know from, from what we know of the Herodian um, dynasty, right? They were very lavish. They were very pagan. They were very um, power hungry on. And uh, yet, Manayan, who, who could have had that kind of life, who could have grown, who could have held to this, you know, um, socio-political um, status, right? He, he left that behind, and he, he forsook that and said, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to devote myself to the church. I'm going to devote myself to Christ. He, he abandoned the, the worldly kind of power that he could have had, I'm sure, and uh, instead chose to um, hold to... Um, his fellow believers. Uh, we also know that the, the, the church in Antioch was a very, uh, was a very generous church. Um, back in Acts, ele- um, uh, uh, just, just, just in the last chapter, right, there was the prophecy of the famine in Jerusalem. And then so what the, the Antioch church actually uh, had a, um, sought out um, gifts to send relief to the church in Jerusalem during the famine to support the saints there. Um, and that's what Paul and Barnabas just came back from, right? They, they entrusted Paul and Barnabas to take the gifts to um, Jerusalem, right? And so Barnabas would be a natural choice. You know, hey, somebody who, who forsook all of their possessions and gave it all up, he's pretty trustworthy, right? We'll, put it, we'll, we'll, we'll have him go and, 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 uh, and give the money to um, the, the church. And so... Uh, they were a very generous church. They were not, uh, they were not content, or they were not, um, you know, uh, complacent with their worldly possessions. Right? They, everything that they had, they they counted as lost. And it's just something that we need to think about. As you know, we uh, to be a missional church means to be a generous church. <laughs> we need to really search our hearts and think. Well, you know, we could. All this, you know, this, this money that we have, well, may, may, we could buy nice things for ourselves, for this church. Maybe we could make our church property a little nicer, more attractive, or more comfortable. I don't know. Uh, but at the end of the day, to be, um, if we're not prioritizing, right, the, the mission of the church and the, the priority of reaching people for Christ, right, we, we as a church have, don't have our priorities straight. There were, and uh, the church in Antioch was an evangelistic church. So um, if you, uh, thinking back to a couple chapters ago, in Acts chapters 11, um, when persecution broke out in Jerusalem and Christians were scattered, uh, a lot of them ended up in Antioch. Some of them, and uh, they, they ended up in different places, in Phoenicia, in, uh, in uh, Cyrene, different places. But wherever they went, it said that they only spoke to the Jews. They, they would only speak to the Jews. It was only in Antioch where people were, um, people uh, from you know, Cyprus and Cyrene actually 
went out and spoke to the Hellenists and said, hey, no, we're not just going to limit ourselves to the Jews. We're going to speak to the Hellenists as well. We're going to speak to the, the Greeks. We're going to speak to the Gentiles. And so Antioch was the first church that, even before this mission, already had an evangelistic heart for out people not of their own. Right? They, as a church, already modeled this kind of Jewish and Gentile diversity and mixing up. Right, um, that wasn't com that that was not common in the other Jewish churches. All the other churches were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna speak we're gonna speak to the Jews only, and you know, and keep this within our people." Right, but Antioch was the first church that they were called, where the disciples were called Christians. This is the first time where really the the witness of Christ spoke to the surrounding community in a very powerful way. Where hey. We're going to start labeling these people Christians, these little Christ, because their, their heart to uh, preach Christ outside of their own little hub um, made an impact and, uh, and, and branded them in, in a good way. And so, um, not at the time, I mean, it was meant to belittle them, but it, it just goes to show that this church was already evangelistic in its own community, right? So again, so thinking about what a missional church is, if, if we are not evangelistic as a church here in our community, we're not going to be very fruitful <laughs> sending people out to be missionaries in wherever, in Japan, in Australia, or in, uh, you know, um, India, wherever. If we can't, if we don't see the practice of evangelism here in our own backyard, I, I'm not confident. <laughs> We shouldn't be confident that we're going to be fruitful or um, impactful as a missional church outside our walls. And so, so as we pray about, again, being focused on God's word, um, focused on um, being generous and, and giving and with, with our possessions, we also want to think about how are we getting out of our comfort zone, right? And being and trusting in the power of the gospel to speak to my neighbor, right, or speak to this person of this different um, political, um, this different political opinion of mine, or this person of this different background, right? And so, if we are uh, a church that's evangelistic and winsome, and uh, we see the fruit of local missions in our in our own area, then um, that will be a good indicator, right? That man, God, I think, is moving us to. Uh, move further out. Um, again, uh, they were prayerful and they were discerning. So again, they, as uh, Mel said, they were already uh, they were already praying. They were fasting. They were worshiping. Um, they were already they they were already um, committed to um, as uh, as Paul uh, commands Timothy later, right? Um, that they, that all men would pray at all times, <laughs> um, that they were lifting up all petitions to God and um, waiting to hear from Him. And so they were a praying church. And again, this this is something that really is on um, our hearts as pastors, uh, Pastor Chris, Pastor Bob, myself, is that we we really want to grow <laughs> in our prayer life as a church. I mean, if we're not seeking God's power to accomplish his work, then we're just trying to go through the motions. We're just trying to look the part. We're not going to have any real kingdom impact or any spiritual, um, or any spiritual reach 
um, if, we don't, if we don't seek the power from on high. God's not looking to glorify us by our works. He's looking to glorify himself so that we simply say, wow, look what God did. Look at what God did in this person's life. Look what God did with, uh, with this situation. Look what God did with, with, um, with, uh, with this, um, you know, sharing of, of, of the gospel, with this evangelistic opportunity, right? We don't, we want to make, so again, um, I know many of us, uh, some of us are, you know, we, we come, uh, our Sunday night prayer meeting is one way, a very good way to get involved and with prayer would really, really uh, encourage anybody here and online if you're there to um, uh, come and join us for prayer on Sunday nights where a large, where we just really uh, pray and openly we pray with just transparency and a lot of the prayers that I hear are, are for the lostness of our friends, family, and people around the world and I, uh, I just really pray that, and that's just one step. I pray that that would just be uh, one means that our church is faithful in, in, in uh, intentional prayer and seeking the Spirit because, uh, again, if we're not a praying church, we aren't going to be a fruitful church in, in missional um, endeavors. So, uh, and so uh, lastly, they were, they were obedient. <laughs> they were obedient to the Spirit's call. Um, the Holy Spirit... Um, uh, told them to set apart, apart Paul and Barnabas and said, set these men apart for the work I've called them to. And they, they were obedient to send. Um, you know, a lot of times, right, it's, it can be very easy to put off such things and say, yeah, yeah, we're going to, you know, we'll do, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be a missional church. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll send. We want to send people. We want to we wanna reach the people lost. Yeah, tomorrow, <laughs> maybe next week, right? Um, and so again, uh, we want to be uh, when when we are sure that after we've prayed and heard the Spirit, right, that the Holy Spirit um, prompts us to actually follow through with with action and movement, right? And so, again, so uh, I just wanted to take the time to just really look at the Church of Antioch. It's not; it, it really is a special church. And so again, when Paul again. When Paul and Barnabas go out to do missions, they're not just seeking to preach the gospel. And they're seeking to build churches. They're seeking to establish Christian communities. And so they are, when, they, when Paul's going out to establish a church, he's, he, he's seeking to establish a church that he's coming out of, a, a church that represents the kind of diversity and um, faithfulness of the word and prayer, uh, Christian uh, charity and love and all these things that he, that the church of Antioch was in many ways, and it's seeking to replicate that around the world, right? He's not, uh, there are times where Paul just has to preach and go. That's definitely, um, sometimes that's necessary, but Paul's intent, as long as he can help it, is to try to stay in a certain place and try to build up churches there. And so, the goal of missions is to replicate churches like this, churches like Antioch Church, right? And so that's the goal of missions is church planting, not just, not just preaching, not just conversions, but discipleship that leads to uh, whole communities being raised up and growing together. And so, again, as we uh, seek to be a missional church, what we really want to do is say, 
how can we, whatever area we're, we're praying through, uh, whatever region, people group, right? What we really want to say is how is everything we're, we're doing going to establish a church in this place? Because if we just send a missionary, right, they, they go in and then they come back and there's no follow-up or whatever, more than likely the, the witness, the light, will probably flicker out. But if we establish a church there, if we establish um, a community with pastors and leaders and who are uh, grounded as disciples, right, they are going to be a lasting witness to that place. And so our goal, the goal of missions is to establish churches, to establish the, the kingdom of God amongst people groups. And so keep that in mind because a lot of time that's overlooked. <laughs> a lot of times just like, yeah, well, we, you know, we'll just kind of go to this area and then maybe do some good or, you know, share a bit and then, and then, you know, come back. But, you know, the, the, the end goal of, of missions should be church planting, establishing churches. And so, again, uh, so there's a, there's a lot we can learn from the Church of Antioch and take to heart. Um, and so next we want to just look at now, so Paul and Barnabas, they're called, they're affirmed, they, um, they're, they're sent out. And so I just want to look at um, what their, uh, the, the strategy employed here. So um, again, it's, it's important that in the backdrop of all of this is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas. The Holy Spirit is leading them on their mission, right? And so as they're going, they're still praying. They're still seeking God's word. And so one... Uh, so the first step is they, as they, as they sought to um, uh, uh, follow God's call, is they utilized available doorways. They, they, they utilized bridges that were already available to them. So they went first to Cyprus, the island of Cyprus. And so again, it's not there in the text right here, but Barnabas is from Cyprus. He's, he's a native of this island. He's, he's from this place. And so the very... Uh, and so this island, which is actually kind of in proximity to the Antioch church, is the first place that they go. Uh, Barnabas actually has, uh, uh, you know, he, he has some roots there. He has some connections there. He actually has some um, way of kind of navigating through the island. And so, uh, you know, um, and uh, we also see that Saul begins to use his Roman name, Paul. Right? So a lot of people, they'll, they'll say that, you know, the assumption is, oh, yeah, you know, Saul was Saul until the road to Damascus, and then he became Paul after he was saved. And that's not really true. He was um, Saul, I mean, again, he was a Jew with, who was a Roman citizen. So he had, you know, he had two cultural identities. And so amongst the Jews, right, they knew him as Saul. That was his Jewish name. Amongst the Romans, right, he was Paul. That was his... Um, his kind of his Gentile identity, right? Just like kind of, um, you know, when, uh, you know, um, you know, back when we had a, back when we had a Chinese congregation here at NBC, you know, years ago, I met a lot of Chinese brothers and sisters, and then we met them, and they, you know, and they all have English names, you know, they have like Norman and Samuel and <laughs> Henry, you know what I mean? And just English names, you know, and they, you know, and they, they are first generation Chinese being here, right? So they have English names <laughs> that they use here, right? But then they have amongst, uh, 
you know, their, um, amongst their, the Chinese community, right, they have their Chinese name. And so it's just, that's the same thing going on here. And so we see uh, that uh, Paul uh, utilizes an avenue that God had given him, and that's using his, um, that's using his Roman identity as he kind of goes through these, uh, as he begins his, his journey. And so again, he's utilizing just whatever means, doors are available to open up these access ways, right? And so again, something to think about as the church, as we at NBC pray about missions and what could God lead us to do, uh, something we could really pray about is what doorways has God given us now? You know, we could close our eyes and say, Lord, I'm going to trust your spirit. I'm going to throw a dart on the map and wherever it lands, that's where I'm just going to go. But actually, let's pray. What, what kind of people is, has God connected us with? What kind of opportunities um, are, are available? What kind of people do we have in the church right now, right, who have uh, cultural ties and different areas and regions so something to think about and um again we don't rely on those things but at the same time we we also see as we're led by the spirit uh those are things that god could be calling us to uh utilize as um stepping stones right um so secondly in verse five they also sought out possible believe possible believers in the area and so this is a key idea um, to, to, for us to understand. So in verse 5, he says, um, when they arrived at uh, Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. So this is something to really understand because as Paul goes about his missionary journey, he's going to keep running into the Jews. And why is that? Isn't it like, wait, aren't the Jews in Jerusalem? Aren't they in Judea? Why, why is he running into Jews at Philippi or at, you know, Corinth or, or these other places, right? Well, because, again, we have to remember that as far back as seven, uh, 700 B.C., right, when the nation of Israel was scattered by the Assyrians, right, um, the nation of Israel had fallen into wickedness and, they, and idolatry, and God judged the nations, uh, the, the northern kingdom of Israel, um, and basically, uh, through the Assyrians and other, uh, and other um, uh, Gentile nations, right, had driven out the, the Jews and so the Israelites. And so there were Israelites all over the world already at that point. There were, for centuries at this point, there were already uh, communities of Israelites in, in different places, um, even though, that they, even though they, they, they lived in... Uh, different, you know, Gentile nations, they still kept their, is, their Jewish identity. They, stayed, they still met in the synagogues. They still met to read scriptures. So, yes, Paul is, he is on a mission to reach the Gentiles, but Paul is also on a mission to reach the lost sheep of Israel. Right, so these 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 um, Israelite communities all over the world, Paul goes to them first. So, as a general, as kind of as a general pattern, not exclusive, but whenever Paul would go into a new place, he would find these these the Jewish synagogue in the area, and that's where he would start, right? Because if he started there, well, one that was the most 
he's fulfilling, um, he's, uh, uh, fulfilling uh, the Lord's call to reach the lost sheep of Israel. But if he goes to these, these communities, they're going to be the first ones to kind of to, to listen and understand and say, oh, wait a minute, you're telling me that the scripture has been fulfilled, that the Messiah has come? Well, and then, you know, he would walk them through the scriptures and show them, right, how the son of David has been fulfilled in Christ. And, but as he's reaching the Gentiles in these, in the, the Jews in this area, then those Jews <laughs> open up doorways to the Gentiles in those areas. You see that? So he's reaching the, the Gentiles through the Jewish communities. So, again, he's not going to the synagogues in order to, exclus to, to, to exclusively speak to the Jews. No, but he's going there to bring them the news first, but then through the synagogues, the, the word of Christ would spread, right? Because the Jews had Gentile neighbors and they knew people and, you know, if they kind of created a buzz in the, in the synagogue community, then it would kind of reach, it would reverberate throughout the, 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 the Gentile community as well. And then now there's opportunities, right, for Paul to speak to Gentiles and to reach them and then to start building a church, right, a Christian church of, of Jew and Gentile. And so that's the general goal of what Paul's trying to do. And so, so for us, right, we're not necessarily going to, um, you know, we're not, you know, uh, as, as in, in, in modern missions nowadays, it's, we're not necessarily going to go out and try to find, <laughs> you know, ancient Israelite communities that are up in the mountains somewhere or <laughs> whatever. But, right, we're going to try to, you know, let's try to connect with possible believing communities that are already there rather than um, just try to do our own thing, right, and just say, okay, well, we're just going to start a brand new church. We're going to do our own thing, and we're going to, you know, we're going um, to just establish you know, our, our own, you know, identity here, uh, you know, connect with, let's see what kind of possible churches are in these areas already. How can we support the churches that are there? How can we, uh, what, are, what are, you know, are there any possible um, uh, believers there? How could we find them or connect with them? And how do we kind of gather, you know, you know, people that God may have already uh, might be in our midst, right? And so, Again, and I just say that because, um, uh, right, we, a lot of times, you know, when, with our Western evangelical mindset, we're, we're trying to establish our own <laughs> identity or our own brand, what we do, but really, um, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the mission that we did in Central, we didn't get, I, I didn't get to be involved in it very long, but our goal was to not start a new church like, like, like right off the ground, but we tried to identify what churches are already there that we could come in and help build up and help reach, you know. So we found a couple, there were a couple churches that are already existing. One, one of them is an older church that was already kind of, that was kind of fizzling, that they were kind of struggling to, you know, kind of uh, uh, revitalize. There was another church with a, with a young pastor who was just trying to evangelizing the city and he had just a few believers with him and so rather than being going like okay we're gonna go and start a new church ourselves let's try to work with these churches and try to reach these people and try to equip them and and 
What, what needs can we uh, supply them with so that their church can <laughs> be built up? And, um, and it's not, you know, so we're assisting, we're supplying, you know, we're not, we're not trying to do it all ourselves, right? And so, again, just possible spirit-led missional strategies that we can take from God's word. Um, and again, uh, so one, another thing that we want to be clear about is the preaching of the gospel. So verse 5 Right? They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues. And I just want to be very clear about this. Uh, the goal of, I mean, our, our, our aim in, in mission work is to evangelize and to see that the word of God is shared and taught. A lot of churches do missions uh, without, uh, without being... Um, focus on the gospel. Some churches they'll they'll do a mission where maybe they'll do, maybe they'll dig a well or maybe they'll help a uh, you know they'll help out in a hospital, which which are good things. Those can be bridges to the gospel. But a, a lot of these some churches go in and they're like, no 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 don't don't be don't you know don't don't talk about sin, don't talk about repentance, don't talk about. Uh, the wrath of God, you know, those things might just upset people. So just, just try to be nice. Win them by, by your loving, um, uh, you know, attitude. And Yes, Isaiah? Oh, well, no, yeah, so a lot of places, there aren't any. And that's, that's kind of the point of mission. I mean, that's, that's kind of the point, is that, yeah, we're trying to go to places where, if we're talking about missional work, we're, we're actually trying to identify places where there is no corporate witness um, already. Um, and so, yeah, so, again, sometimes Paul did. <laughs> sometimes Paul did just go and preach to the Gentiles um, and start a church right there. Um, but overall, he, he a lot of times he would he would go to the synagogues as a general as a general strategy. And so, as we're talking about you know what God could be calling us to do, um, we God could call us to go and start a church where there just absolutely is no church whatsoever. Uh, we may not do it well though if we have no if we have no if we're not really equipped if we don't have kind of access ways or. Um, bridges to that place, um, but I would say wherever we go, I think what we want to do is try to take inventory of what what Christian presence there could be there. Are there any believers in the area, and try to work with them, you know, rather than doing so. Um, yeah, but the goal is to establish a healthy church where there is no healthy church and there is no visible um, uh, gospel um, uh, witness. Um, or opportunity to, to hear. So, um, so yeah, so get, just getting to my last point, oh, not, or on, on this section, right, is that wherever they went, they proclaimed the word of God. And the, the proclamation of the gospel was front and center in their ministry. They didn't, they never, they didn't waver. They didn't, they didn't come in and try to pretend they were something else or, uh, you know, they were very, they were bold. They were bold that, Right, that there is uh, the, the the true God who created all things, 
uh, who we've sinned against as mankind, and we are under his wrath, sent his son, Jesus Christ, um, to be a, a uh, atoning sacrifice on the cross, who died and rose again, that whoever believes in him with faith and repentance will be uh, forgiven their sins, will be born again, and will receive the gift of everlasting life. Right? That's the gospel in a nutshell. Right? So wherever they went, they proclaimed, they were clear on this message. People will not be saved apart from hearing the gospel. Churches will not be built apart from a clear, clear, faithful gospel preaching. And so wherever we, whatever mission work we do, right, the, the, the aim is how is the gospel going to reach these people? How are we going to share the truth? How are we going to be able to preach and to um, uh, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? Um, that has to be central in our church's life. And it has to be central in whatever work we do with whoever we work with. We need to be bold and consistent. Because right, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to all believe, the Jew first and then the Gentile. Right? And why do you say that? Because we're tempted to lose faith in the gospel, right? We're, we're, tempted, to, uh, we're, we're tempted to shrink back from it. And we're tempted to go, oh, not, not now, Lord. Not, this isn't the right time. Or, oh, they're not going to want to hear it, Lord. They're not going to, this is just going to cause problems. And, oh, I'm not, you know, this, this, is, this isn't the time for the gospel, Lord. Not now, right? Well, Paul and Barnabas, they, they, they were grounded in prayer. They were grounded in the scriptures. And they... Uh, and they, they made it, they were, wherever they went, they, they preached the good news. They preached the message of salvation and that um, whoever hear it by the Spirit's uh, work and power may be saved. I'm going to wrap this up uh, really soon. I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. So I'm just going to try to just really quickly just go through this, uh, this um, just uh, a few things. So again, remember... Our job is to share the gospel, to preach the word. And it is the power of the Spirit who blesses that word according to his purposes, right? And so sometimes we preach the word and we see no fruit and we see, we, we see no response. Sometimes we preach the message of Christ and we think, oh man, I don't think that did anything. And then somebody's like, oh, that spoke to my heart. That, that's the message that led me to Christ, right? Um, or that conversation. And so what we want us to see lastly, right, is the Holy Spirit sovereignly accomplishes his missional works as we are faithful to just follow his leading, right? So again, uh, as, as, they, as they went to these different places, these different synagogues and preached the word, um, Sergius Paulus, who is the proconsul of the island, and so he was the senator under the Roman Empire, under, under the Roman emperor, um, you know, he, uh, he was just appointed by the emperor to oversee that island and run it. Uh, Sergius Paulus, just by hearing of what Paul and uh, Barnabas were doing, he summoned them. They weren't, they weren't going, hey, we want to try to reach the, the proconsul. We want to try to reach him. No, he summoned them. You know, just by them going around and, and preaching and sharing, right? They, they, I don't think they were thinking that, okay, yeah, he's going to, summon us and one audience, but he, he was wanting to hear, you know, the, what, um, by, by their preaching in the different churches, you know, like, you know, uh, the, the, the text doesn't say how the other churches were responding. Maybe nobody else was listening to Paul. Maybe he was the only convert on the island, but they, they, the, the one person 
who the text is clear about heard and believed was a senator, right? And it was just by them being faithful to preach the gospel. We have no idea, right, how God will use the, um, the faithfulness of the, the gospel, um, right, in times where maybe we think it's, it's not doing anything, not accomplish anything. But again, um, we also see it accomplishing, um, right, it's, it's also, um, it's also overcoming the works of darkness. It's also overcoming, right, the, um, the, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the text of Elymas, the, the magician. He is, um, right, he's a man full of evil. He's a man full who's, uh, of, of deceit, right? He's, he's misleading the, uh, the proconsul, right? I, I couldn't help it, but it's, it's like that story in Jaf- of, of uh, Aladdin, of Jafar, right? You know, there was that, you know, Jafar was... Um, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the king was, you know, trying to get his daughter married and Jafar wanted him to marry, you know, wanted, basically wanted to marry that. So he's telling the king, no, you don't want, you don't want this Aladdin around. He's no good. Get him, you know, and, the, and, you know, the king's like, oh, yes, you see his eyes spinning and you see the, the serpent rod. And then, right, Aladdin's like, no, you know, uh, he, he takes, no, sultan or whatever, he takes the rod and smashes it. And then the king wakes up, like, Jafar, why don't you want that? <laughs> you know? And so I, I couldn't help but just kind of like remember, you know, like think of that scene. Because it's just kind of the same thing just kind of plays out here, right? Is there's this, you know, deceitful, shady, um, you know, uh, magician who's deceiving the king. And then uh, Paul just calls him out on it, um, exposes the works of darkness. And Elymas comes under blindness, and, you know, and, and this judgment is pronounced on him. And again, you know, yes, I think this was an act of judgment on Elymas, but it also was an act of grace as well. You know, um, Elymas didn't fall down dead. He didn't, uh, God didn't strike him down on the spot. Elymas, uh, Paul said that he'll have blindness for a time, and, uh, and he was led by the hand. I mean, he was, at com- he was, he was made completely desolate and completely um, brought, to the, you know, at the, brought to the mercy of others, right? Um, he was completely humbled and, right, his whole, basically, you know, he was, he was exposed. His whole sham was exposed. Uh, you know, everybody knew who he really was. Um, and at the same time, you know, God could have struck him down, but God um, used this to hopefully bring him to repentance. I mean, there was an opportunity for him to still repent. There was an opportunity for him to uh, to turn to the Lord and to and to and to ask for God's forgiveness. You know, we, we don't know what he did, but uh, we can always, you know, um, as we uh, as Paul and Barnabas preach the gospel and and we're and we're faithful to the word of Christ. It even brought somebody like Elymas into a point where, hey, maybe, maybe he, maybe he was saved. Maybe, maybe this was an act of mercy upon God's part. Maybe not. Maybe Elymas continued in his rebellion and in his deceit and in his darkness. But uh, we see that um, that uh, their faithfulness to the word opened a door even for someone like him to just really search his heart and think like you know, and to really search his soul and say, what am I doing? Uh, he got to, he, he heard the gospel and we, and we, we can hope and pray that him and others like him, right, um, would, 
uh, even if that's what it takes, you know, if, if that's what it takes for God to take everything away from us, to take away our livelihood, take away our identity, you know, ex totally expose us. Um, you know, there's, there's somebody I know who uh, was, you know, I, I don't want to share any too much details, but in many ways he was, you know, nobody knew about this thing in his life, but he was, ex you know, he was exposed in a really, uh, in a really big way, um, what the things that he was doing, and uh, and uh, and yeah, and he really lost a lot. He lost a lot of um, his reputation and a lot of opportunities and things. But but I, from what I understand, he's really come to know the Lord in a much deeper way and acknowledge his sin and repent and turn to Christ and even something like and, and then it took God exposing his works of darkness and judging that he um, was able to uh, really kind of come to know the grace of God in a in a new and deeper way and uh, so again we um, as we uh, so as, as we close um, now this is just uh, kind of now uh, opening the door into the rest of the, the missional journey. So next week, we'll be looking at um, uh, verses 13 uh, as we look at the, uh, um, the church and as, as we look at Paul and Pisidia. And in that, in that uh, discourse, right, we're going to really look more at the biblical theology of Paul as, in, in Paul's gospel as he reaches, as he preaches to these uh, Jewish um, um, exiles, right, in, in this area, and, uh, and as the, the missional journey continues. So, all right. Well, I think we'll go ahead there and call it. And so, yeah, we'll call it. Or would you have any other thoughts, Mel? Yeah, I'll call it here. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and, uh, um, We'll go ahead and pray. And again, if you want to, oh, just, just lastly, before we, before we close, again, just going back to the heart of this thing, uh, if you want to go ahead and read, I, I also just put a little blurb here um, from the Joshua Project. Approximately 5.22 billion individuals residing in 8,000 distinct people groups are in the revised 1040 window. 6,000 of these people groups are considered unreached and have a population of 3.16 billion. That means approximately 61% of individuals in the 1040 window live in an unreached people group. And so, but unreached, it means there's no gospel witness. There's, there's no knowledge of Christ in these areas. If you look at this whole region, Northern Africa, uh, the Middle East, South Asia, whole, whole regions of people who are perishing without the news of Jesus. And that's why... That's ultimately the, the end of all what we're talking about here is that somebody needs to go <laughs> and share Christ with these people. So, somebody needs to go and be a witness. Somebody needs to be the mouthpiece. And we as a church need to either be, neither be sending, we need to send people and we need to supply them. We need to, we need to reach them um, every day just, Thousands, thousands of people are perishing without ever hearing, hearing the name of Jesus Christ, who are are separated from God forever and under eternal judgment for their sin because they do not have the the the, the knowledge of 
of Christ, the knowledge of salvation. And so, again, uh, missions isn't just something cool that we do because we want to be radical Christians. It's really of eternal significance. There's, there's eternity at stake for the lives of billions of people. And so we want to be faithful and, and, uh, and um, follow in the, the Great Commission work that our Savior has called us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your word, which um, has given us hope. And Lord, somehow, somewhere, you have reached us through the missional work of others. Somehow, somewhere, because other missionaries uh, came to Hawaii, (laughs) other missionaries came to wherever, um, uh, Europe, Asia, um, the Pacific, Lord, we are, we have the knowledge of Christ because of others who are faithful to go and do your work and to sacrifice and to give generously and to pray for uh, churches like this to be established. Lord, we are the recipients of just so much. Uh, and we can't take that for granted, Lord. And we can't just be complacent to say, well, we're comfortable here and we've, we have, um, we have, you know, security. We have, we have a nice little church group together. We don't want to, we don't want to break up. We don't want our, we don't want our loved brothers and sisters to go away. Uh, we want them here. Um, Lord God, I pray, Father, that Lord, re- you would lead us to um, really take to heart, Father, um, the the Spirit's call. Would be a, would we be a church that prays and seeks your will? Uh, would we recognize the opportunities you give us? Would we be uh, generous and thankful to give up of all things that we may um, supply the needs of others um, in, in the name of Christ? And um, Lord God, continue, Father, to accomplish your works of salvation um, here at NBC as the gospel is preached. Would you, uh, would, you, would you reach people that otherwise we would think unreachable? And would you even use, um, uh, would, would you even discipline us and, uh, and take whatever it is from us that, that keeps us from being faithful and obedient to you. So even if it hurts, even if it is painful, we pray, Lord, that you would, you would do whatever it takes to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ, and to, so that we would seek your grace all the more. Um, we pray for Pastor Chris and Sammy as they are in their, um, as they are just taking their, this season of rest. We thank you, Lord, for, for their ministry and their faithfulness. We thank you. Uh, we pray, Lord God, for all those who are away right now, all who are uh, traveling for work or visiting or, uh, or are sick. We know, Lord, that um, just, this is kind of a transitional period for a lot of people, but we thank you for the chance to gather here today. And we ask, Lord God, that uh, you would continue to build us up in all unity, in love, and in uh, zeal for the name of Christ. Praise in his name. Amen.